Welcome to the sixth episode of Demobility South Africa Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Homestone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who had never watched Davey with night vision goggles, Logan Saunders. Good evening. Good evening. I am slightly dropping now because the sun's just about coming up when we're recording this. It's annoyingly early for me, still. Six episodes in, I'm still not used to waking up. It's rather irritating. <laughs> Should we monitor how much you sleep during the recording, Michael? It would be a good idea. I do have my heart rate monitor on right now, just in case. Basically, the the aim of this podcast is to just make sure that I sleep for <clears throat> I sleep for at least fifteen minutes, and then we just win the podcast awards. <laughs> and given my memory of this episode, I thought I would be sleeping. The sleep challenge is much better than I remember it being, which is at least good. <laughs> It's not the. It just doesn't play out in the most ideal way possible. No, it's the one challenge I would say this season that is a bit of a stinker to watch because we're literally just watching people sleep. However, there are a couple of little fun moments in it. It's a not bad character challenge, which is all I can ask for given my memory of that challenge being a proper stinker. It's a full-on character challenge, really. They know pretty early on, or... We and they know that the challenge is not going to be a success. They try. They really try. Because <laughs> it's 20 minutes of them watching them drive through South Africa in the middle of the night and the early morning. The even funnier bit about that, not skipping too far ahead, is the fact that that is a very beautiful drive. And they're doing it in the middle of the night. At least they got the first the sunrise out of it. <laughs> So, previously, the final six split off as Davy and Hans were driven crazy by a language barrier while everyone else had a bit of a shock. All five. They were reunited with their loved ones before being thrown into their own Hunger Games for the first exemption of the season, which Davy went after shooting his girlfriend. <laughs> At the execution, lightning didn't strike twice as Hans was sent home for real this time. And we begin with a truly creepy tour of their accommodation, watching everyone sleeping, cutting to them in an underwater bubble. There's a very specific theme to this episode that you very rarely see in reality TV. They don't really do a whole episode based around one theme like this. This was all like all based around the the heart, really. A lot of this was just all based around heart rate, staying calm and relaxed every single challenge. Yeah, the first challenge was essentially psychological terror. It's one of the more nightmarish things that they've put these people through. I'm also thinking of the Kushi Tunnels. In terms of, yeah, in theory you'd be absolutely fine with it, but when you're in the middle of the ocean with only a limited air bubble to protect you, you're maybe going to panic a little bit. Or in some cases, panic a lot. <laughs> yes. So we begin for real on day 13 in Neisner, with Sam having to wake his hand up because he's been sleeping on it. We all know what that means. They have a week left to find out who the mole is amongst themselves, with only five people left. And Jill meets them on the patio and tells them he has good news and bad news. The bad news is that their baggage has mysteriously been thrown into the lagoon, but the good news is that they can get it themselves, as well as earning up to 4,000 euros for the pot. They have to grab their own luggage, which they can recognise by a unique colour tag in the design of the South African flag. To find out their combination, they have to dive one by one into an air bubble that's under the water in the bay. There's only 10 minutes of oxygen for everyone to use, and if they're wrong, they will lose their luggage for the rest of the season. 
I wonder if the luggage was only taken because everyone's resting heart rate while they were asleep was too high. So that's when Jill snuck in and grabbed each piece of luggage. Yeah, good point. That would explain why we have the creepy, creepy video at the start. Especially when you find out later that Sam was naked. It's like, oh, they just snuck into a naked person's room. How how classy, Jill. <laughs> so much deleted footage from, from that filming just as Sam rolls over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hot fuck, dumber. We gotta film it again. It's a really bad combination when he says he was a naked and b his hand was asleep. To quote South African author Wilbur Smith, "My right hand is very well exercised." What? <laughs> it's an actual quote from a couple of years ago on um, on Breakfast TV in Britain. Um, he was being interviewed, and um, he turns out like two books a year, and they were asking about it, and he went, "Well, it's fair to say my right hand is very well exercised." Jesus Christ. And obviously, children like me take that out of context a lot. I guess that's what they call writer's block. But also, this challenge plays into another running theme of this season, which is they lose their luggage again, potentially. In the first episode, we had the repacking the luggage, and now there's another luggage challenge. Maybe for some of the flights and stuff, they just really wanted to, production just wanted to cut down on production costs and not have to pay for the checked bag for each contestant. Yeah, you just have to make sure it fits within the um, the Ryanair frame of, let's be honest, handbag sized, and then you can take it on the plane. Otherwise, nope, it gets left behind. And somehow I've been able to get my 40 liter backpack on Ryanair planes. <laughs> I genuinely don't know how. I get such dirty looks when my oversized backpack goes anywhere near the Ryanair desk and I don't even fly Ryanair anymore. Even when it gets near the desk? Like, keep going. Keep going to EasyJet. <laughs> yeah, because most of the um, the desks are shared. They have all the, the stands for the various um, the various airlines. And whenever I get anywhere near the Ryanair one, I just start getting dirty looks for how my bag is definitely not going to fit in the Ryanair plane. And I never fly Ryanair anymore. Mine was able to fit into their overhead compartment. Yeah, it fits into the overhead compartment, just not into the cage that they check when they see your bag's oversized. No. Well, it seems like a lot of airlines do that, where they have the cage at their check-in desk be smaller than what's on the plane. Hmm. They're just trying to force people to um, to pay, obviously. Yeah. But it's like, I noticed when I was in the lineup for Ryanair, though, when I have, like, my... When I look like a backpacker... The staff never asks me to check my bag. It's like they know what the answer is going to be from like the the early to mid-20s backpacker that's going around. <laughs> I literally have my worldly possessions on my back not happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is all I have other than my Super Nintendo back home. So Sam is the first one to dive. He gets into the air bubble on the second attempt. Just to make things more difficult, the colors are written as words and in the wrong colors. It's a Stroop test. It is. And he leaves after 2 minutes and 35 seconds. Davey is second up. He has trouble diving deeply. Not what I've heard. And he finally gets in after a couple of tries. Also not what I've heard. He leaves after 1 minute and 56. And he pisses as he gets back on the boat to keep himself warm. Classy Davey. And he wasn't even drunk when it happened. Nope, not this time. (laughs) Annalise and her funky swimming cap are third. She really panics trying to get her uh, snorkel mask off. Rescue divers end up coming in helping her, and she finally leaves after 3 minutes and 2 seconds, leaving just 2 minutes and 27 for Robin and Aline between them. And she's pulled aside by the medic, but she's fine. 
And then Elaine is 40, leaves after 1 minute and 41, leaving 46 seconds for Robin. And he is last. The divers will drag him out if he overstays his welcome. And he leaves after just 32 seconds. And Annalise accuses him, when he gets back on the boat, of having a form of autism for being able to remember things that quickly. That would not age too well on TV today. No, I was thinking that given that we're recording this the week after all the, you know, anti-autism stuff on Big Brother 22. Yeah, with Ian Terry. <laughs> be funny, though, if he tries to stay over the, the 46 seconds and the divers come in and he just starts slugging them right in the face. Like, no, no, I need more time. I need more time. He just fights back. <laughs> yeah. Hot for Dama. Pow. Hot for Dama. Pow. Blow. Rude. <laughs> it's Flemish Batman. It doesn't help that his name is Robin either. <laughs> so Gilles announces that they can earn 2,000 euros if everyone retrieves their bags. However, it will be doubled if they can also correctly colour in the flag of South Africa. And after two weeks, they should be able to remember what it looks like. And I know this is a very stupid question, but how would you have done with that mini challenge? It's so tough because you were just, everyone was just forced to look at all of these different colours and the different words and trying to remember their own design and picture that in their head. So you have six different flags stuck in your head, and then you got to remember the real South African flag with somebody trying to mull it too, or pardon me, five different bags. But either way, it's like two of the colors are probably going to be switched. It doesn't take much. Which is essentially what happens. And I got to tell you, when somebody asks me, oh, what are the exact colors in the flag? Like, if you show me any country's flag, I can be like, oh, it's that country. But when you're discussing the colors out loud and I have to fill it in, suddenly it gets a lot tougher for me. I'm not very good at it that way. Yeah, I don't think that this this doubler challenge is actually that easy. I don't think it's as easy as you think on the surface, especially after everyone's adrenaline is going to be spiking from just having to dive into the bubble. And Annalise nearly dead. Yeah, and, and with Annalise nearly dying. And then on top of that, they've got to remember their own color and potentially if you're Sam, everyone else's colors as well. It's very sneaky the way they've done that, but it's a pretty much impossible thing to double. They did quite well to only get two colours wrong. I was surprised with what they did get wrong, though. I, I was surprised that they thought the white covered most of the flag. Yeah, especially when you can kind of... If you've been to South Africa, as we both have, Clang, you can kind of imagine that there's going to be blue on there for the water, there's going to be green on there for the land, there's going to be red on there for the sky. I think, if I remember correctly, <laughs> and I realise that when I'm editing this, I will remove this section if I'm wrong, is it red, then white, then green, then yellow, then blue, and then the triangle on the left is black, I think. Yeah, the triangle's black with a bit of yellow. Yeah, because the bottom outline is the yellow one, the top outline is the white one, I think if I'm not mistaken, and I will double-check this before editing this. Yeah, there's like the two white stripes in the flag. The two thin white stripes. Seven Nation Army. <laughs> I was just waiting for for a, a, a slight bit of dum-bum-bum-bum. <laughs> I don't think that's what the RSA had in mind when they made the flag. <laughs> the best thing is, because I'm still slightly asleep, my voice is deep enough that I can do the baseline. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I would struggle to get that low, but dum, boom, 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 boom. 
So yeah, they mix up the white and the green, so they're only playing for 2,000 euros, and Davy and Robin get a little bit passive-aggressive with each other. I thought they would have mixed up the blue and the green. That's what I was expecting when they were screwing up. Yeah, because that's at least logical. Because if, you, if as I said, you know the the meaning behind most of the bits of the flag that I can actually remember, which is that the red's the sky, the blue's the water, and the green is the uh, the land, then you can kind of understand them getting those two wrong, but getting one of the outlines and uh, and one of the main sections wrong is, you know, interesting. I wish they would have done the flag challenge in the in the just do this flag challenge in every season. See if they ever get it right, especially the Vietnam one. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> Vietnam would be alarmingly easy. I think you just have to remember the color of the little star in the middle of the flag. Is it red or is it yellow? Is it yellow background with a red star, or yellow star with a red background? <laughs> I feel like Greece would be a fairly easy one as well. <laughs> Just do this challenge where it's underwater just to see, okay, even if there's only two colors in the flag, can we still disorient them enough that they still screw up the colors? I think you'd be surprised how often teams would fail this challenge with a lot fewer colors than the South African flag. Yeah, I don't think you'd really be able to successfully do that many challenge every season. Vietnam, you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, 100%. Greece, you probably wouldn't be able to unless you actually literally change the design of the flag subtly. Argentina, you probably won't be able to do it really. Mexico, maybe. Mexico, you might. Argentina, you'd have to have, like, maybe you don't do colors, but you do, like, similar flags. So you'd have the Philippines flag and the Uruguay flag in there to throw them off, since they both, they're the other two flags that use the sun. (laughs) But it would be funny if they they were in, they did a season like Libya when Gaddafi was still the leader because it was just a green square as the national flag. It was just the one color. <laughs> it's like, okay, you got to complete this challenge. Everyone had to remember what color is their square. Now can you fill in Libya square flag? <laughs> you just start sticking loads of green stickers all over it. <laughs> There could be something else. Oh, there is a tinge of black in the bottom right corner. Oh. Damn it. Hot word, dumber. The other thing about this that really amuses me is the fact that we have another subtle Gilles de Costa dick moment here where he, he just gets really amused that they got it wrong, but they're completely wrong. Like, he doesn't hide his, his amusement at how bad they are at this uh, name the colours of the flag challenge. Well, it's like, well, Gilles, if you're so confident, why don't you do it, buddy? He's still riding high off being um, the smartest person in, in the world from a few years beforehand. He's just like, yeah, I know my flags. Bitch, don't challenge me. He's like, you, I would succeed even if we did this challenge in Central African Republic or the Seychelles or Mauritius. I'd remember all of those colors. Bitch, please. <laughs> so under the water are ten bags, five containing their luggage, five containing utter crap. Sam goes first and is correct. Each bag gets opened individually. Davy's second, much to Eileen's irritation. And he's also correct. Eileen is third. Davy finds out how angry she was with him. And he says the most confident should go earlier because he would have been pissed if she'd grabbed his bag, which is the correct tactic, Davy. And Eileen grabs her bag too. Robin is fourth and he's correct. And Annalise is last. Even as a guest, she has a one in six chance. And she grabs a bag and it's correct, earning them 2,000 euros of possible 4,000 for the challenge. What a fluke that they won this challenge. 
Do you think that the mole mold? I think the mole mold the 2,000 euros on the flag, but I don't think they wanted to mold the the case retrieval. They probably or they thought, well, I don't really have to sabotage when Annalise was blacking out in the air bubble. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I I think Annalise blacking out may have stopped the mole mulling. Because especially in, with the last bit being so individual, the only tactic that they can really do is pick the wrong bag, but then they're only thwarting themselves by doing that. Or alternatively, if they go early in the um, in the challenge, using up a lot of air. But still, Annalise's panic attack kind of distracts everyone from any molding, I think. Yeah, and that's like, well, I don't need to mull if somebody clearly panicked and there, there's no way they remembered what their what their suitcase was supposed to look like. And then Annalise completely screws up the mole's deflection. <laughs> 2,000 euros in the pot, but they didn't get the flag. And the mole definitely, based on the footage we saw, the mole definitely interfered with putting the correct colors together on the flag. So on day 14, they're still in Neisner, all making a pact that they're doing absolutely nothing today. Despite their best efforts, they are moving locations and singing along to Roxanne in the car. I like how Annalise actually said, if they approach us with a challenge, let's just all protest and we all unanimously agree to refuse whatever challenge they throw at us today. Yeah, it's not survival Borneo. (laughs) (laughs) A beer is not enough. There is no one getting sandwiches from production here. Annalise actually is quite the confessional here. She says that um, that it was the most eventful day of her life, drowning in an air bubble, or panicking in an air bubble, I should say. That's the thing. They do like to cast at least one, if not two, old people in each season. Annalise gets it quite rough in terms of physical challenges for an old person to have to do. This is not a sedate season for someone in their 60s. No. I mean, it's not like Annalise is out of shape, but she's definitely not the most in-shape 60-year-old reality TV contestant I've seen. No, if you consider that the first actual challenge she had to do was answer quiz questions running up and down a hill, and then potentially have to run part of a 27-kilometre trail race, you start off with that, and then you have stuff like the being thrown off a rooftop potentially, which she did avoid, being electric shocked having to organise a drunken museum heist, playing Scrabble against Shield Acosta. Eh, maybe she got it quite good. Um, diving into the um, into the middle of the bay in Neisner. Like, she didn't get it particularly sedate so far this season. Uh, I mean, she did get to do a choir challenge. She did, and to be fair, that does actually come into play this episode again. It's really fun. And the only sport she's had to do was play golf. Yeah, then that's not a sport. That's like darts. (laughs) So yeah, they're driving to Herald's Bay and staying at the Ubai Hotel and each have their own room where a message awaits. For the second challenge, they will each get four questions with a numerical answer. They have to raise or lower their heart rate to within three beats of the correct number to earn the money. Each correct answer is worth €200 for the pots and there are 10 potential answers and they have two minutes to get to the correct number. I wish Dwight Schrute did this challenge. Because he can raise his cholesterol and lower it. Why does he raise his cholesterol? So he can lower it. Can he raise his heart rate and lower it at the same time, though? I'm sure he could. It, the the shoots the shoots are very powerful and really in tune with their bodies. 
So the first question is, how many years Sleeping Beauty was asleep for in the fairy tale? And the correct answer was 100. Both Alina and Annalise have to lower their heart rate to get it to 100. Davy is the only one to get it wrong, because he's obviously not a quizzer. And ties himself out for no reason. Not for the first time from what you've been telling me. Sam, Robin, and Annalise earn money, totaling 600 euros. I like how with all of these heart rates and oxygen-based challenges this round, all three of them, the first question is based on how long somebody slept. <laughs> it's like, can we not get away from this theme? <laughs> it's hinting at the final challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so the second question is working out the square of the hypotenuse of a right angle triangle with one side as 4 and one side as 12. Pythagorean theorem. Yep, Pythagorean theorem, bitch. And that is 160. Aileen and Robin are both correct, and both earn uh, 200 euros each. And Davy said he recently saw the Pythagoras' theorem and said he'd never need it. <laughs> it's like that episode of Simpsons where it's like, oh man, I can't imagine a world without zinc. And it's like all of these things you can't use if you don't have zinc. So they had like those home, like those landline telephones. And they're like, oh. You know why you can't call 911 is because you don't have zinc. You can't use your phone. I, I think you can probably see by this challenge why I was suspecting Davy at the time. <laughs> like, he he ruined the, um, the, the flag challenge in terms of it was him and Robin basically arguing and he was stressing everyone out. Then he gets nothing on the, uh, the questions, I think. Let me check. I have listed who got each of the four questions right. No, he didn't. He, um... Because he got the first one wrong. The second one, he said he'd seen the Pythagoras' theorem and then never said he'd need it again. He missed it by one beat on the third challenge, and he picked 90 days instead of 80 on the last question. So he got nothing on this challenge. He didn't get any of them right. Yeah, actually, they didn't score. Because there there was, what, five contestants? So that would be 20 slots to get right. And they only got seven out of the 20 spots. Yeah. And four of those misses were Davy, And three of those misses were Annalise. Three of those misses were Aline. <laughs> I think Sam... Yeah, Robin got three out of four, and Sam got two out of four. They got... Yeah. So the challenge was really all on them. So the third question, just for Annalise, is to finish a Bible quote. Up to seven times what? I forgive their debts. And the answer is 70. Unsurprisingly, Annalise, the RS teacher, knows it, as does everyone else. IRS teacher? RS, Religious Studies. Oh, I thought you said IRS. I'm like, I don't know if she was into taxes. No, Religious Studies. She read about the Sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> she was like, he had a good idea. <laughs> seven times ten. You take away 70% from the poor and give it all to the rich. And Davy misses it by one beat, Annalise by 20, Eileen by 51, and Robin by seven, which means that Sam is the only one to score, because he's the only one who can lower his heart rate to 70. And the final question is, how many days Phineas Fogg travelled around the world in the book Around the World in 80 Days? And surprisingly, the answer's 80. Eileen picks 130, Annalise and Davy pick 90, and Sam and Robin both get the correct answer of 80. Robin scores, but Sam is 9 too high, giving them a total for the challenge of 1,400 euros. However, that cash is not safe yet. Because in the second part of the challenge, everyone is handcuffed to a chair in Papa Bear's dungeon. They have to defend the 1,400 euros for 3 minutes each in a dark room against the mole, Unless they're the mole, in which case, Shill will take their place. They have to keep their heart rate low enough, otherwise the mole will steal cards worth 200 euros from the table. They have to stay within 10 beats of their resting heart rate after each minute, otherwise the mole will strike. 
And obviously we do not see them all, even disguised, because it would be too obvious if it's Jill. Sam is first up, he has to stay below 80, but he loses 400 euros and even gets stroked by them all. He had a really interesting observation that was funny to note at the at the end when Jill was talking to him. Did you catch what he said? No, it's days since I've watched this episode. <laughs> so he said it was he felt a soft, feminine hand. So he's like, hmm, it might have been a woman. Might be a woman who was who was who was stroking me during that challenge. I don't know how else to phrase it. I don't know. There are some handsy people in this cast. It could still be Hans. But yeah, he's like, hmm. Yeah, it felt very soft. Felt like a very feminine hand. Maybe the mole is a female. Those were those were his words at the end, which is kind of funny because he gets executed. So it'd be interesting what the fans, the what most of the fans in Belgium thought at the time. Like, hmm, Sam thought the mole was female, and then he got executed. Maybe it's Davy or Robin after all. And talking of Robin, he's next up. He has to stay under eighty-two and starts asking questions to Annalise, assuming she's the mole. He spotted something in Aline's diary bio which may point to her being the mole, and the mole's ankle cracks right before the end, but they are only able to steal 200 euros off him. And that ankle crack proves to be very important. <laughs> yes, that is why I mentioned it. <laughs> Needless to say, production and the mole freaks out during the ankle crack. Bear that in mind for the end of the season. That's all we're saying. So Davy is handcuffed third, although not for his first time. He has to stay below 75 beats per minute. He essentially just tries to go to sleep. It fails in the first and third minutes, but not the second, so he loses another 200 euros. Well, he knows who the mole is. Yeah, he he can be as calm as he likes because he knows who the mole is by this point of the season. He's not at all stressed. He's entirely confident. He's going straight ticket on the mole every quiz now, I think, from like week three or four. It's ballsy. He's really ballsy, but Kathy did the same thing. Kathy was on uh, on Jill from like week two or three, I think. I think she went straight ticket on him from about week three or four. Yeah, Davy's like everyone else is trying to chat and really like fake out the mole as much as possible. Observe how they're being touched, what what their smell is like. Davy's like, I don't give a shit. I know who it is. Davy's gonna start singing Foo Fighters and Nirvana lyrics, maybe some Willie Summers. If he's feeling really adventurous. <laughs> might be might be spring or fall in, in South Africa, but in my mind, it's nothing but summer. And Annalise is at fourth. She has only two cards on the table due to the guy's losses. And she has to stay under 99 beats per minute. She somehow manages not to lose anything. And she ends up whistling Shoshaloza to stay calm. <laughs> Annalise had the most success with this challenge, didn't she? Yeah, Annalise is the only person who doesn't lose any money. But she had a really high resting heart rate, though. Well, second highest. <laughs> yeah, Elise's resting heart rate is 119. <laughs> How did she pass the medical test to get on this show? In fact, it's 10 above the um, the resting heart rate. So Elise's is 109, which is a very high resting heart rate. Yeah, because what's the average resting heart rate for somebody in their 20s? Well, Elise was 24 at the time. I'm 27, and mine is about 65, 70, I think. I was about to say, isn't it usually 65, 70? I was thinking 70 was probably the average. My resting heart rate is 63, according to my watch right now. And I'm not particularly athletic. I have to Google what the average resting heart rate is now. Obviously, your resting heart rate goes up 
as you're older normally, so Annalise's being 89 is kind of understandable. Yeah. Eileen should not be 109. Yeah, so the American Heart Association states that normal resting heart rate, so this isn't even by age, should be between 60 and 100. Oh, good. I'm normal for once. Yeah. So that's like, on average age, would probably be, what, 35, 40 years old? However, for athletes and people who are active, this number may dip closer to 40. Oh, and then it does break it down by age. Oh, it just, says, just puts people in 18 years and over. Should be between 60 and 100. That's not a narrow age bracket at all. <laughs> so Eileen is the last person up. It's up to her to defend the last 400 euros, and she has to stay under 119 beats per minute. It ends after two minutes because she lost all the cash, earning nothing of a possible 4,000 for the pots. Yeah, she gets her heart rate way up there. <laughs> and it is now time for a surprise mid-episode test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. Nilene says she doesn't get stressed about tests. Robin says he doesn't know if the mole will sabotage every challenge. Sam rules Robin out and spread between two remaining people as it's safer. Robin says taking the wrong bag would have been too blatant a sabotage. He always thought Annalise was suspicious. Eileen said it must be dumb luck for Annalise to have got the bag. Davey is disappointed he didn't know the South African flag after being there for two weeks. And Annalise says Robin and Davey both have super memories, so they should know the flag. And the test ends with the question, did the mole sleep in the caravan? But there hasn't been a caravan yet. Ooh. Twist. <laughs> it's getting twisty. There's more twist than what I initially remembered about this season. Like you remember them individually, but you forget that it all happened in the same in the same season. Yeah, that's something that I kind of want to bring up towards towards our our season wrap up because there aren't really that many normal executions in this season. You have the Jess one originally, where the least normal thing about it is how stressed she is. Then you have the double execution because of hands. Then you have the the mystery execution because of Bertrand. Then you have Bertrand somehow managing to get himself executed again. Then you have a normal with hands. You have the caravan one here with Sam. And then you have the final four one. I would say the only normal executions would really be... Well, I guess you could say Bertrand's second execution was normal. It's just he was not playing the twist correctly. So we have Bertrand's execution is normal. Uh, Hans's execution is normal. And final four execution, then you have the finale. So that's, we have what? Three. Yeah, that's, well, if you include the finale, that's four regular executions. <laughs> that's not much for a season that has eight of them. So that evening, she'll meet some at a petrol station by the caravan in question, the elimination will be at sunrise and they will be driving themselves there with a chance to make the future work in your favour. The car can only be driven when someone's asleep, and he asks who the most tired is, they say Robin is always sleeping. And they get hooked up to electrodes by a doctor. Thankfully this time it's just measuring their sleep activity rather than, you know, electric shocking them. They have to complete a 90km drive with the caravan in four hours to Utsorn, by the end of the drive, at least two people need to have slept. If they succeed, they'll earn 3,000 euros for the pots. Someone must also watch the sleeper to make sure they're actually asleep and let the car know. Now, have you been to Utsorn, Logan? No, I have not. I have. And in fact, I stayed 120 metres from the end point of this challenge. You didn't know that until you watched this? Nope, it's literally across the road from where I stayed. <laughs> because as soon as they said Utsorn in this episode, I'm like, hmm... I've been there. In fact, I was there a year ago yesterday when we were recording this. 
I'll find out where the Klein Place Resort is, because that's the end point of this challenge, where the um, the caravan part where, where it ends. And I googled it, and I went, oh my god, I literally stayed across the road from that. And it was the weirdest accommodation we had on the entire South Africa trip. Because as a family of four adults, we got pretty lucky with, because we all went through a travel agent and everything, we got pretty lucky with the accommodation. At Utsorn, we were staying for one night on our way to um, Plettenberg Bay. We were staying one night, and um, they gave us a room for a family of four, but like two children. So me and my brother were in a cupboard under the stairs, essentially. It was a tiny room. Oh, like Harry Potter. Yeah, we were Harry Pottering it. But actually, I was sat on the couch in um, in that accommodation, probably looking at the Klein Plus Resort, with a cat just not stopping bothering me, constantly walking on my lap and just looking for attention. That's my kind of overwhelming memory of, um, of Utsorn. But Utsorn is also famous for something, and it's famous for something that I don't think Davy knows it's famous for, because it is, no word of a lie, the ostrich capital of the world. Really? Yes. There are loads of ostriches in Utsorn, and it's full of ostrich farms, which I'm sure if Davy knew about, he would not have been pleased about driving himself there. He, he wouldn't. No way. He would have been sleeping. No, that's my uh, my connection to this um, this challenge is the fact that I literally stayed across the street from where um, where the Klein Place Resort is because I looked at where it was in um, in Utsorn just to try and work out how far it was away from where we stayed, and I'm like, oh my god, it's literally there is a road dividing it, and that's it. <laughs> it's a one minute drive from where I stayed. So, Robin is the first to try and sleep with Annalise watching. She tells him to pretend he's lying with his wife, although he's told to remember that Annalise is still there. And Sam tries to sleep in the back of the car. And after eight minutes, Robin pulls the sheet over his head, making it difficult to determine if he's sleeping or not. <laughs> I don't know why, but his defense tactic is hilarious. <laughs> this entire challenge is just character scenes. It's everyone just getting a little bit irritated about Annalise standing over them watching them sleeping. So after eight minutes, Robin pulls the sheet over his head, making it difficult to determine if he's sleeping or not, and she pokes and prods and accidentally wakes him up. <laughs> and I have to say, this challenge is definitely rigged against the contestants because it doesn't help that every single light in the caravan is on. It is not a conducive sleeping environment. They literally turn no lights off. Especially when somebody else is staring at you as you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> And poking you while you sleep with the lights on, asking you, hey, are you asleep? <laughs> are you sleeping? Why aren't you sleeping? Why aren't you sleeping? <laughs> the other interesting thing that I spotted with this challenge is, did you notice they had a police escort? No, I didn't. There was a police car driving in front of them for the entire challenge. I wonder if caravans are potential targets on those roads? I would assume so, because they were driving between 2 and 6am. I would assume that having a caravan would mark them out as a massive target for carjackers and stuff, especially when you're driving through the middle of nowhere in the pitch black. In South Africa. So after five minutes of silence, she flicks the switch at 2.17am, and thanks to the rough driving, Robin wakes up and repeatedly has to tell Annalise that he's awake because she's not listening. After only three minutes, they have driven 0.8 kilometres. And apparently he can't sleep. She suggests Sam, but he isn't tired now either. Well, yeah, you're in a challenge. Yeah, it's the <laughs> adrenaline. Didn't we just see him lose like 600 euros from the mole? Because <laughs> he couldn't keep calm? Well, yeah, Rob Robin not being able to stay calm is a running theme this season, actually. 
especially next episode. He loses his rag a little bit next episode. Who can keep calm and sleep during a challenge with lots of money on the line and won't be thinking it won't be overthinking the challenge? We're gonna pick Robin. <laughs> he may be my very last choice in the entire cast of eleven. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. He's just as much as we love Robin, obviously, and when we end up eulogizing him we will we will mention how much we love him. He's a little bit of a stress head. <laughs> You know who they needed was like a was a teenager like Booba. Booba would have been ideal for this challenge, I'm sure. Yeah, Booba lies into like ten, eleven o'clock at this point, so he's fine. <laughs> and he's used to staying up till two a.m. And then Jess and Yolene were both really young on this season. I think Jess was really young. Jess definitely was. I'm not sure about uh, about Yolene, but Jess was really young. She was like twenty one or twenty two, I think. Yeah, she was. And then. We know that older people just don't sleep as much. Like, retired people typically sleep six hours a night, I think. Yeah. So maybe it's not best to have... have. So, I mean, Robin's not old by any stretch, but he's older in contrast to Davy and Sam. Yolene's 35, by the way. Oh. Well, that's a compliment to her. <laughs> but yeah, if you had to look at these people on paper, who you would choose to to do a sleeping challenge. You probably wouldn't pick notable competitive stress head Robin. And you probably wouldn't pick Annalise to monitor everyone sleeping. No. So Eileen volunteers, even though she's just had coffee, and Robin decides to persist and tries again at 2.28am. Davy and Eileen have a little tiff over Davy saying that he could have slept, and at 2.41am, Annalise pushes the switch again. Almost immediately, they turn it off again, and Sam is subbed in at 2.53am, and after 1.2 kilometres of driving. And apparently, Robin has fallen asleep previously in a nightclub. <laughs> That's impressive. I think there is a lot of alcohol involved to allow for that sleep to happen. Almost certainly. I think that's pretty much what they should have done, is stop, get a whole bunch of cheap booze. Um, everyone except the driver, of course, just guzzles it down whoever they intend to have sleep during the challenge and then they all can just be like passed out drunks on the bed that's how you win this thing i'm assuming they weren't allowed to um to get sleeping pills <laughs> yeah they start doing drugs because you know as well as i do if you had to guess anyone in this cast to have had sleeping pills you'd probably guess annalise <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean take some zopaclone I'm trying to think of all the other sleeping pills we we have in the far we've had in the pharmacy, and then you just have the mole giving people caffeine tablets, pretending they're sleeping pills. <laughs> you thought I was a drug dealer, but I'm really the mole. <laughs> so Sam tries for ten minutes but can't fall asleep. Davy gets subbed in. He tells Robin to drive immediately as he used to sleep in the back of his dad's truck, and they leave at three o seven a.m. And even Annalise manages to sleep when she should be watching Davy. They end up driving for over two hours and have 26 minutes to cover six kilometres. And they have to wake Davy up and sub Annalise in to try and guarantee that two people slept. And they have only four kilometres left. And Robin does a bit of backseat driving to try and ensure that they get there in time. And with eight minutes left, they arrive at the campsite. The results were sent to an institute in Brussels. They drove for five minutes while Robin wasn't sleeping. Just over two and a half minutes while Davy slept, which is very impressive and he manages to sleep the entire two and a bit hours that he was in the bed, and nine minutes while Annalise was awake, which was her entire time, losing them the challenge. And that earns them 
zero euros of a possible 3,000 for the challenge, 2,000 euros of a possible 11,000 for the episode, and 21,000 of a possible 77,000 for the season so far. They probably did better than people were expecting for a challenge like this. Yeah, they were actually reasonably close. How much more did they need? How much more sleep? Well, I can't remember whether Robin slept at all. I think he didn't. No, I don't think he did. So they just needed one person to sleep, basically. If they got one person to sleep while they were driving and didn't sub Annalise in when she was awake, then they would have won the challenge. It was actually a lot closer than you'd think. So I guess it was a possible challenge then. It just, for some reason, maybe just because it's like... It's just like, how many people can you find who who can sleep during the challenge, I guess? It's like, yeah, maybe you'll find Davy, and that's going to be about it. What they should have done is had Sam be the first one, because Sam slept in the car. Yeah, I guess if they just made that substitution, they probably win. So Jill announces that they're flying to Johannesburg for the final part of the season after this, and Davy and Aline get green screens before Sam gets the red one and is sent home. And my next note is actually something that I think we discussed before we probably started recording the um, the Vidim podcast uh, a couple of days ago. I always remembered Sam being the final four boot. <laughs> I, I thought Sam was fourth too. I was very surprised when I found out, oh no, he's fifth. It's the other person who's fourth. Yeah, I'd always remembered him being fourth. Maybe it's because that tends to be the archetype of the fourth, fourth placer, is it tends to be a young male. With a couple of exceptions, with like the exception of Pascal the next season. But it does tend to be someone kind of of the Stein archetype who goes out in fourth. Who won Tillman fourth? Oh yeah, Christian was definitely the young <laughs> Stein archetype in Greece. <laughs> and then who was it for Vietnam? Was it Yuri? Yes, it was. And he's definitely younger male. <laughs> yeah, it, it was King of the Reagan Pipes Yuri. <laughs> so there's really only one exception to that. One other exception. Yes, it, it's Pascal who is the main outlier there, I would say. But I'd always remembered Sam being fourth place, which is really weird. He's obviously not as successful as Stein was last season, but he always had the vibe of a fourth placer for me. So it's really weird knowing that he goes in fifth. I'm pretty confident about who is fourth, though. <laughs> yeah, given how much we talked about the final three of this season in other episodes, I think most people are pretty confident of who goes home in fourth, but I'm still not going to say it yet. <laughs> it's a lot easier to remember. You can remember who the final three is of any mall season, and then a lot of times you do mix up who's fourth and fifth. In the same way that the Argentina final three are pretty infamous, the South Africa final three are pretty infamous as well. Actually, in our Argentina rewatch, I'm like, I thought Stein went home earlier than this. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, he made another round, another round? He's fourth? Uh, Bruno, I thought Bruno was fourth. <laughs> so Sam says that he's confused at the end, but he's happy for everyone. He's a little bit upset that he went home now, though. And everyone says that he became comfortable in his own skin by the end. Which really loops back to the beginning. A little too comfortable, if you ask Robin. He's just letting it all hang out. <laughs> so next week in Johannesburg they get to play rugby there is a game of spot the difference Davy crowds this and things get a little bit inconsistent so who do you think is going home next week Jesus Christ I've not done that joke in the entire season <laughs> I forgot they finished the season in Joburg yeah it's really interesting because I've seen the next episode of it obviously or I've re-watched the next episode you've not yet but stuff like 
they drive the caravan here. They don't drive at all when they're in Joburg. They have a driver for Joburg. Is Joburg the only place all season that they don't drive themselves? Yeah, I'm going through the episodes so far in my mind, and they were allowed to self-navigate to every challenge. So, yeah, as somebody who spent quite a bit of... Did you ever go to Joburg, Michael? No, we um we flew home from Joburg, but we, we went from Port Elizabeth originally. Right, because I've spent... How long have I spent in Joburg? Like four days altogether? Something like that, yeah. Because you went to Soweto as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did the Soweto tour the one day. I did the Mandela Museum. And then I used, I rode the shuttle from Johannesburg to Kruger and back. And I went out with dinner with my one friend. Um, so yeah, Joburg, I can tell you, is not known to be the safest place in the world. Um, I've told the story before, but where I was staying, it said, do not go out unless you are a group of six or more. And the place, like the restaurant district was only like maybe a 10 minute walk away. And they said, if you're a group of six or more, feel free to walk out. If you're not, don't do it. <laughs> Johannesburg is not a very, it's not a very safe place. Not compared to like Cape Town. Although when I was in Cape Town, as I, I told the story before about the kid about almost being robbed. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you got a Japan map nicked out your pocket. Yeah, and then um, yeah, being eyed suspiciously by quite a few people. You should be used to that, though. Yeah, and then the one, the one driver was telling me how it just happened like the day before in Cape Town that somebody carjacked an Uber and then pretended to be the driver as he picked up passengers and then robbed them. That happened like the day before <laughs> in Cape Town. <laughs> so yeah, go to South Africa, kids. Yeah, it's just uh, like uh, yeah, this yeah. Overall, you'll be fine in South Africa. Just Johannesburg, you just have to be a bit more cautious than other places of the country. And then Cape Town, just avoid certain areas. Yeah, Cape Town, you've just got to be mindful of your surroundings. I would say. I didn't feel unsafe in Cape Town. Like the V&A waterfront, I felt completely safe there. And then there's one other part of town that I was walking around freely. I'm like, yeah, this no one's really wondering what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> V&A waterfront has a, um, a very nice food market there as well. Yes. Yes, it does. A big one, actually. Yeah, I, I can recommend the uh, the pizza on the top floor and also the brownies from the, um, the stall on the bottom floor. Both were top-notch. And they also had, what's that restaurant, what's that fast food place they always use in Survivor South Africa? Uh, Steers. Steers, yes, there's definitely a Steers in there. And there's also a Steers in the Johannesburg Casino that I went to. <laughs> the Steers at the v Waterfront, I know exactly where it is because it's in the shopping centre, which is also where I tried ostrich, which was very nice. <laughs> fun well, fact. I going to say? Yeah, fun facts about the v Waterfront. We're just giving out Cape Town recommendations now. <laughs> yeah. Book with us today. <laughs> yeah, if you ever go, if you ever go to Cape Town and want some advice, then uh, hit us up because you know we've both been there and we both liked it. Yeah, I would definitely go back to South Africa. I've been thinking, well, especially on the on this rewatch, I'm like, yeah, I really do miss South Africa. And there's so much of South Africa that they didn't go to as well. Like they didn't even they didn't go to Cape Point or anything to go see the penguins. They didn't do Robben Island either. No, neither did I. But. That's because we forgot to book the ferry. <laughs> oh, you didn't do Robin Island? Nope. 
Oh man, that's like the one thing I got or I got to do that you didn't. <laughs> oh, Robin Island. I don't know what else. Well, I don't know what they could have really done that wouldn't seem insensitive there, though. You can't really make a play about Nelson Mandela there. <laughs> what they could have done is if they had a day off or whatever, just um, send them on a trip to Robin Island and just keep it with the travelogue feel. Yeah, just t- take them to Mandela's cell, which is like a shoebox, really. Anyway, have you got anything else you want to say about this episode? Um, no, I was just going to talk about South Africa some more. <laughs> That's well. Yes, we should end it here. <laughs> cool. Thank you for listening to our Mobility Recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the mole in South Africa. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are TV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsuperquacky, and I'm MJ Harmstone. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next to flavoring. My right hand is very well exercised. <laughs>